Can you hear us? Yes, I can. How about you and me? Yeah, I can hear yeah, you. Yeah, actually, really well. you sound really fucking good. Yeah. You're goddamn right, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to BitFaced. I believe it was September the 8th, uh, 1966, when a little show called Star Trek premiered on television and kind of changed a lot of things about not only TV, but the sci-fi genre at the time. Uh, I'm a huge Star Trek fan myself. Tyler is also a huge Star Trek fan. And our guest today uh, on BitFaced is a huge Star Trek fan, too. Uh, my good friend, uh, from back in the day, Kirkwood Deal, owner and proprietor of Kirkwood's Music in Augusta, Georgia. I know we have some Georgia fans on here. If you need anything in the Augusta area, music-related, Kirk is absolutely the uh, the guy to go to. So I think we're gonna I think we're gonna talk uh, talk a little Star Trek today. Uh, so Kirk, why don't you start? When did you get introduced to the series? Um, well, first of all, greetings and salutations. Thank you for the warm welcome. Um, I got started um, early memories of life. Um, it, my dad was uh, an, an avid watcher of it. And of course, you know, obviously in syndication, given uh, we were born in the mid-70s. Um, so just in the, the span of reruns on TV, it, it kind of started coming up. And of course, being named Kirk, you know, it was, it was an onslaught of the Captain Kirk references all the time, which is fine. Um, and of course, later in life, having to correct people that he was Admiral Kirk, but we won't get that geeky. Um, so yeah, it, it was a lot of my father's influence as a kid that, that, uh, um, put me into that genre and, uh, just having a natural inclination to science fiction in general, it, it was just, uh, like candy to my brain. So, uh, um, it's been a lifelong companion for the most part. So were you making those corrections to Admiral Kirk during the brief period of time he was Admiral? Cause didn't he die as Captain Kirk? Um, or was he back to Admiral at that point? Because he, he gets demoted in Star Trek Four, right? Um, and it is, was it? It was in Generations. I I know he died a captain. Um, I think he's Captain Kirk in Generations when he died. I don't think he ever got the Admiral uh, rank back, did he? I I I, I know that I there was at some point I stopped correcting people because I knew he was Captain again. So I, I'm hoping that I remained period correct throughout my entire uh, correcting people. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, know, I know once he was dead, I, I left it as captain because, you know, that's what he stayed. But uh, yeah, it flip-flopped there for a little bit. So is, is the original series, TOS, is that your favorite um, version of Star Trek? Or do you more lean towards Next Gen or Deep Space Nine? Um. It it changed over the years. Um, it's um, I, I think people that that latch on to it's always this, it's got to be this, can kind of lose out on some of the newer things. Um, so it, it's really hard to pick what is my like right now. Um, I think I'm probably leaning on the Deep Space Nine Enterprise era just because those were what I have most recently watched. So they're the freshest in my brain. And I have the the most details related to that. Depending on my mood, it will change. Um, they all have their merits, um, <clears throat> Voyager excluded. Um, <laughs> but um, so you're not a fan of Voyager then? Um, it's it, it's the, the it's ranked least. I mean, it, it had its moments. Um, um, I liked Neelix and and a couple other characters in general. Um, but it had the weakest um, overall ensemble character uh, cast and script writing and uh, uh which is kind of funny because I, li I like uh um uh, kate mulgrew who plays janeway um but a lot of yeah yeah we can pick it apart <laughs> but yeah, yeah yeah i've never watched uh i've never watched anything except for next gen and the original series i've never seen the other three i can't make it past the theme song on enterprise oh the uh yeah the uh it, it just sucks all the energy out of the show i don't i don't know what they were thinking um i don't know if they were just trying to keep it you know a more human feel a more uh relaxed uh pop culture type thing but it didn't work i mean you just 
the the disconnect between the two styles to cheesy acoustic rock anthem love song to hey we're in space it, eh, yeah you're right the theme song sucked yeah and did how long did Enterprise run did it four I, seasons I remember Deep Space Nine and Voyager ran like seven or eight seasons didn't they yeah I, th- I think Deep Space Nine had six seasons and uh, Enterprise definitely had four and Enterprise got canceled uh, somewhere in its fourth season. And it, uh, they knew in, they knew in enough time to kind of cobble together a final episode, and it's horrendous. Uh, it, it is just now. I've heard that it ends, and it's all been uh, a hologram on the deck of the uh, Next Generation Enterprise D or uh, E, I guess. There's well, they they wind up killing one of the central cast members as part of the plot points. Um, one of the fan favorites, and it's just. There's a lot of hope. I honestly can't remember that many details. It's so bad. I kind of. It's kind of like the the fourth Indiana Jones movie that doesn't actually exist. I, I just kind of. I'm assuming that they just disappeared in space and were never heard from again, as opposed to the way it ends. Okay. Did you like Enterprise? Is it? People have told me it's worth watching, but it, I just I have never been able to do it. Definitely worth watching, especially with it like being on Netflix or Amazon Prime. Since you can just, you know, you watch the, the, the typical minute of opening preview, the ones that have them, or prelude, and then skip ahead two minutes to get past that uh, song. And the funny thing is, for season three, they kind of, uh, they re-recorded it to put in some orchestration and to beef it up a little bit, but it's the same crappy style. <laughs> but yeah, skip ahead, and uh, and that helps a lot. Because yeah, th- there are some really amazing, really uh, well-done stories. You've got uh, uh, the Andorians are the uh, one of the races that they use um, as a recurring uh, character. Um, uh, Commander Shran is played by actor Jeffrey Combs, who's fantastic. And um, the Andorians are the, the blue aliens with the antenna that were in one episode of the original uh, series that just kind of never got brought back in any of the other incarnations. I mean, even the green Orion slave girls and other things ca- come back at some point in other series, but the Andorians were just left behind. So they get put to good use... Um, in Enterprise, plus you get um, introduced to the Zindi, and the Zindi wind up being the their big nemesis through most of the series. Um, after I think they get come into season two, I can't remember if they come in season one or not, but um, they wind up being um, you know the arcs that, that they try and carry through, as opposed to the episodic um, way that the original series was done and most of Next Generation was done. So um, with the Zindi, um, you have a lot of variety because they've they're mixed in with like five races and their typical animal characteristics because they don't spend too much on special effects so they're just you got the the insect people the reptile people the mammal people you know stuff like that um but in general the storyline is pretty good plus you've got a uh, um, weird uh guest actors throughout um you've got a uh, uncle phil from fresh prince that shows up as a klingon that is just you, of course he does. He's black. <laughs> Don't black people all have to play Klingons? Well, no. That's the funny thing is, you, uh, they you, you almost only see white or black people as the Klingons. You don't usually see any other races. I don't know why. I don't know what the casting right. have in. But there's different makeup packages they use. the The white Klingons look a little bit different than the black Klingons. The the ridging and the the color of the makeup is a little bit different. Um, I don't know why that is, but you can always tell which is which. And, uh, yeah, because Chang, uh, General Chang in Star Trek VI. Yep, Christopher Plummer is... is Christopher is, Plummer, right, definitely um, looks a lot different than Worf does. Correct, Min- minimal makeup. And uh, and granted, uh, the, the movies, you've always got different regimes of, of makeup, and, and when they put together their common-looking feel to maintain uh, uh, continuity through the series. So from incarnation to incarnation, whether it be original series, movies and everything, you will get a slightly different look. Now, when you had the overlapping series like Next Gen, Voyager, and Deep Space Nine, they pretty much kept good continuity through the three because at some point, both of them were on at the, on the air at the same time and had a little bit of crossover. And same production uh, companies and Rick Berman and all that. So you had a pretty good continuity look and feel from the first episode of Next Generation to the end of Deep Space Nine. 
of course, with the natural progression of, of budgets getting bigger and technology getting better, that you get the looks and feel that they get updated a little bit, but for the most part, stay pretty consistent. Um, so was Deep Space Nine or um, Voyager on, on at the same time as Next Gen? Did they have overlap? Next Gen had overlap with Voyager, because it went Next Gen, Voyager, Deep Space Nine. Um, or was it Deep Space Nine? Oh, good Lord. I can't remember which was which. Because, Come on, man. You're the expert. I, I know. Well, you, 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 <laughs> you, you had, because Worf, okay, yeah, you did have over, overlap with Deep Space Nine and, and Next Gen, because when Next Gen ended, Worf transferred over to Deep Space Nine. Um, right, because he shows up in one of the movies from a different ship. Right, Is correct. it, um, not, gen, not Generations, but uh, First Contact, right? Right, right, correct. And, uh, yes, so Deep Space Nine was on, and then Vo when Vo Voyager's jumping off point for their, for their mission, if I'm not mistaken, is from Deep Space Nine. So uh, I think that's what uh, where the continuity is on that. Um, and I have to go back and double-check that, that I got the order right. But, yeah, all, all three at some point overlapped with one or the other. I didn't realize that. I always envisioned Next Gen as being on earlier than those two. I don't know why. Well, they, I mean, it was one significantly earlier. It was. Um, I, I know that they they were pretty sure that next gen was was kind of be going to be coming to an end, and they had to come up because the the need for it was still there. They had to come up with another series to keep the franchise rolling, and so uh, that's what they did with. Because they decided to end next gen, it didn't get canceled. Correct. 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 Every you know. Yeah, they decided to stop it. Mm -hmm. pretty, I think I think a lot of that had to do with Patrick Stewart just wanting to do other things, um, and Frakes wanting to direct and. Uh, uh, just other people having other projects, and uh, you know, plus everyone from that cast seems to have uh, seems to have done pretty well. They ha well, um, most of them. Most of, you know, you had uh, you didn't see much uh, of anything from Gates McFadden, who was Beverly Crusher, or um, Marina Sirtis. Exactly, she, uh, she kind of disappeared too. Um, Will Wheaton does a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Um, I like his tabletop series on uh, Geek and Sundry, which is phenomenal. Um, for the tabletop gaming and everything, um, and you see him. Yeah, pop he's up. on Big Bang a lot. Exactly, too. exactly. You know, he, he's found his niche between a lot of that stuff. Um, plus, I got I got respect for Will on the fact that that he's a, uh, um, a a true computer geek in the sense that uh, in Linux and everything he, he knows his stuff. So, um, yeah, no, he's not. I follow him on uh, Twitter. He's not bullshit. Not he, at all. He's definitely genuine geek. Yeah, he he, he, he fortunately he, he lost his. Um, when he put his foot in his mouth during the next generation days and, and, uh, you know, got himself kicked off. Basically he wound up learning from it and, you know, grew up fast and has turned into a, a really good geek resource. So. Yeah. Cause he, he left after, God, when does Wesley leave? Like season four? Something like that. He, he, he gets, you know, he has those mental abilities with the traveler that wind up getting, um, honed into the ability to, I don't know, phase in and out of, of different planes of existence. So, yes, somewhere in the middle, and uh, combined with him getting kicked out of uh, uh, Starfleet Academy for them doing the illegal maneuvers that killed a, a classmate. So, I remember that episode, too. So I've, I've seen every episode of Next Gen. I don't know them as well as I know the original series, but I've seen them all. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, yeah, because he comes back with Ashley Judd at one point, doesn't he? Uh, it's an episode I really like because it's about video games. Yeah, and it's where the the video game takes over the ship, basically. Correct. That was before he left for Starfleet. Oh, it was okay. Correct. Uh, he, I don't, I think, I can't remember if he was in uniform yet at that point. He was, he was either getting ready to go to Starfleet or he was on vacation from being on Starfleet. And uh, but yeah, Nash, Ashley did was already a entry level officer on the Enterprise, and. Uh, she was looking yet, very, very good in her Starfleet Extremely uniform. good, yes. And, and one of the better guest actresses they've had, just as far as uh, acting skill. She was excellent in that episode. And uh, There's a lot of guests in uh, in Next Gen. I remember there's one where Corbin Burnson plays, like, Q's boss. Yeah, yeah, he shows up. And uh, the, the guest spots just th throughout all the series are phenomenal, the, the, uh, whether it be Next Gen or, or everything else. I mean, on Deep Space Nine, you got Iggy Pop, uh, guest starring is one of the Vorta, um, and uh, you just That's don't awesome. know it's him. Um, what's funny was he had I read he had uh, injured his shoulder 
and was having trouble with his stage shows. And so since he had the time off, he was able to guest. Um, he was friends with one of the producers or something, and he, he wound up getting the, uh, uh, the spot on it. And uh, he had some difficulty doing his role because of the injury, but he just you know pushed through it and uh, did an amazing performance. And you know he's got this incredibly active stage presence, um, you know, the whole shirt off, moving around like crazy, but totally restrained and reserved with this menacing, I'm going to kill all of you type, you know, coldness on the show that uh, was very well done. And uh, But guests all over the place. You've got, uh, oh, uh, Mick Fleetwood. That's right. <laughs> was a guest on uh, Next Gen, and he's this fish type character. There, I mean, it, it's a whole bodysuit with no recognizable characteristics whatsoever. And they could have put a mannequin inside this thing and nobody would have known the difference. But that was his guest role. Um, no speaking lines as far as I know because they made these weird squeal noises or whatever. So, uh, yeah, just crazy guest spots. Do you think we're going to see similar things like that on Star Trek Discovery? Actually, what, what do you expect from Discovery? A big heaping pile of shit. That's what I expect for discovery. <laughs> well, at least you, at least you're keeping your expectations in check. Oh. I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be good. Yeah, it, it's definitely uh, hope for the best, expect the worst. I think kind of thing. Um, given with the, um, the the poor CGI that they've done for the trailer, it, it's obvious that they're cutting corners on budgets. Um, maybe not as much as they cut the corner on the budget for the t- for the uh, ticks suit for the new pilot, but. Um, that they cut the yeah I don't know I don't know um it's got a warlike feel to it Star um, Trek's always been pretty budget though that's okay it's okay to have budget uh you know Deadpool didn't have the budget it needed and they were able to use that to their advantage to be very creative and and use that as a tool as opposed to a hindrance um so when you have things like that you know, don't cheap out on the CGI, or if you do have to cheap out, use as little of it as possible and focus more on the people. Um, everything doesn't have to be action. Um, I think that's one of the things that a lot of these companies are getting wrong um, for entertainment is that nobody respects the brain anymore. They they want to appeal to the action instincts and the... Um, as much as possible, everything as fast as possible in your face, yada, 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 you can't stop to think, instead of, you know, let, let's slow down a little bit. I mean, Next Generation was phenomenal in doing that. As you, you would have entire episodes where there's no action at all, or, or very little to, to get everything set up. Very little, right. The uh, You know, you got a whole episode of, of Picard's mind being controlled and, and living his life out uh, with the family, and it's, you know all drama and, and teaching about life and, and the journey that goes along that has nothing to do with raid blasters or, or invading species or anything. You know, it's essentially a nothing happened in this episode other than he Picard grew a little in his mind. I mean, that's literally all that happens in that episode, and that's great. So uh, they, they need to go back to that and, and you know, respect people's minds. Don't, don't just appeal to their hormones. Do you think we're going to see any sort of crossover with the original series in Discovery? Probably. It, it, they'll do some kind of throwback. They'll, they'll do the typical dropping names, um, dropping of events. They'll do the mixed trinity where they'll say, um, yes, uh, this will be similar to the music of uh, Beastie Boys, Ozzy Osbourne, and Flax the Gromulator. You know, it's you've always got a fictional, right. you know, so they'll do stuff like that. Um, and definitely throwbacks, um, by the way, Flax the Grogulator doesn't exist as far as I know. Um, so I don't know. Um, they'll, they'll do whatever they can gimmick wise, just like everybody does. I don't know how much of it is going to be, um, warlike or if it's going to be discovery. I mean, they're calling, subtitling it discovery. So I'm hoping that it's an exploration thing, just like the original series. Um, and the original series had plenty of cheesy action too. You know, it's just needs to be a good balance between the two. Um, that's probably my biggest criticism of the, the reboot movies is that there's just too much shaky cam action. It's just nonstop action movie inside a Star Trek framework. Um, so now I liked beyond, I, I thought beyond was really good. 
See, they got the titles wrong because Beyond should have been called Into the Darkness because half that damn movie, you can't see what's going on the screen because they're all in the dark. Way too... <laughs> it's like, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, holy crap, for half this movie, did they reuse the sets from the first movie? Um, and the other half, did they reuse the Guardians of the Galaxy sets? Um, I actually have to go back and look because it looked damn similar to the plaza area um, when uh, in the middle I thought of the same of the thing that the um, place at the end, yeah, it looked, yeah, yeah. So, um, it, it's just and Idris Elba was criminally underused. Um, they should not have had him totally ob- obscured like that. Um, he's way too good an actor to have been put in that shit role. I, I still enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a hell of a lot more than uh, than Into Darkness. I thought it had the Star Trek feel back again. Um, Carl Urban's portrayal of Bones and Beyond is amazing. I mean, it, yes. it was just, holy crap. He is channeling DeForest Kelly in ways that nobody else is doing with their characters. And uh, when I saw it in the theater, there were only two, because we're on the tail end of the run, and I didn't get to see it until last night because of work. And uh, two other uh, guys in the theater... And we're all, you know, emoting at the same time with the same ways. So when the jokes landed, all all three of us were laughing. When there was a oh, moment, you know, it was good. It was good. So we had that continuity of, of expectations uh, going on. But, uh, yeah, Carl Urban was phenomenal. Um, I think uh, uh, Zachary Quinto did a little bit better job with, with Spock in this one. The, <laughs> his laughter being played off as delirium from the blood loss was great. Um and, uh, I thought they got the characters a lot better in this one. They did. In, into Darkness. They, they did. Um, I think, uh, um, I, I know that um, um, the, the whole Sulu bit, um, you had, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, oh my, uh, George Takei uh, put out his little statement about he was annoyed that uh, they had portrayed him as having a, a, a male life partner or whatever, but who cares? It doesn't matter. Um, which was, you know, it's kind of ironic that Takei was coming out against the portrayal of of the new Sulu to fit the actor of the old Sulu. Um, but it doesn't I matter. think what Takei said was, is he wished they would have done a new character and made him gay, not just make Sulu gay. And I think them making Sulu gay was in honor of George Takei. And I think him complaining about it, I think he's a whiny asshole. Oh, yeah. Well, that was, that was for him to get a soundbite. I mean, I, the words he used had to do with uh, they weren't respecting Gene Roddenberry's original vision of the characters. And I'm like, well, th- this is the reboot. Everybody's characters are getting tweaked, so you can't use that argument. You know, stick to your little Facebook pant, uh, things, George. Just come on. Um, so, yeah, every, everything character-wise flowed just fine. Um, it's a shame that, that Anton, uh, got killed by his car, um, because... Uh, yeah, because, he, and I don't think they're going to replace Chekhov. Either. No, no, the, the, if they do a fourth movie, they'll wind up, I, I, they'll have to use that as a story plot line, or they'll be smart to use it as a plot line, um, to go in for why they're, whatever storyline they pick with, yeah, it'll have to be with Chekhov is dead, not Chekhov has been replaced. Well, they said that they weren't going to kill him off in the new movies if they keep making them. He'll just so be gone. Probably, yeah, he'll just be gone. They'll probably send him off to do something. What's and her name? Um, the white girl will end up taking over her or his seat, I should oh, say. Oh, Jay- That's my prediction. J- what was it? Jalen was her character's name? Jalen? Is that... I? You saw it yesterday. I saw it like a month ago. So I don't. I got. I think it's Jalen. Yeah, Jalen, and uh, she had a good spark about her. Um, I liked her. I I thought that was cool. I liked the uh, the plot didn't bother me as much as Into Darkness did. I I thought it was a good old fashioned Star Trek adventure. It was the 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 problems were the whole Deus Ex Machina of it all, and the fact that his it was so weak. The, the, okay, you had the whole prelude or, or story character development of getting, or plot development rather, of setting up why he wants to kill the space station. And the fact that it was nothing more than a bioweapon and he's been trying to find this thing for a hundred years is asinine. With all of the shit we have seen in all of these movies and shows and TVs, there are so many things readily available that would do the same damn thing that, I mean, come on. So, I mean, I, I had to sit back and, and 
several times during the movie, just told myself, calm down. Just don't worry about it. You know, you know why they're doing it. They, they had to get from point A to C somehow, and they just, they couldn't think anything better. I'm thrilled it wasn't a time mechanism. That's really where I thought that was headed. I, I thought they were going to do something stupid with him trying to get back to his, you know, to, to turn back the time. And I'm like, you do it every time. Don't do it this time. Come on. <laughs> so it, it was a pleasure to, to see that not happen. But, um, yeah, yeah. Story-wise, story weak, but character-wise, it was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, to your point, the uh, the Romulans destroyed Vulcan yeah. in the first movie. So there's obviously many ways that he could have destroyed that space station. Exactly. And and I, I think he I think on the Enterprise side of things they were talking about, well he wants to wipe out uh just the population of the space station of the Yorktown and wind up taking it over. Except the attack that they're doing is trying to breach the whole exterior, which would destroy the thing anyways. So that meshed with the bioweapon is just like not convinced guys. Sorry. So uh, one of the big complaints I read about the movie is it would have been a lot more Star Trek if Idris Elba's character would have had a moment of clarity and decided himself not to destroy the space station. And I thought that was going to happen at the end. I did, too, because that is it wasn't my own idea. I read it on a website called uh, Badass Digest. Mm -hmm. Uh, Devin Faraki was the author. But, yeah, his whole I, I didn't think about that until. I read it, but I was like, yeah, you know what? It, it is more Star Trek if he has a moment where he decides not to do something wrong. Mm -hmm. Especially um, being formerly uh, Starfleet. You know, if he, if he had been an independent alien of some sort, it had been a different story. But having ha that kernel of, of humanity to come back in the end. But at the same time, I mean, you know, there's some awful people out there that never redeem themselves. So it's realistic for him to still be an asshole and try and kill everybody. So, yeah, that could go either way. They had me fooled. I really thought as he was going up, he was going to reach up and help with that thing and, and that lever. And nope. Still trying yeah. to kill everybody. So, so that, I, mean, I was fine with that. Um, I thought the tribute to Leonard Nimoy was handled very well. It, it was. It, I, I was almost I'm kind of shocked, though, that uh, <laughs> he has the Star Trek VI cast picture. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what that was, wasn't it? I, I think so. Um, the, everybody's so, age. Was it five? It, it, it was five. It was either five was or six, because they, they all looked pretty similar in, in five and six. They were close enough together that, uh, you know, it's amazing that six even got made after that pile of crap that, that five was. But, um, yeah, the fact that he had five, that, though, it's a piece of shit. But you get more backstory on Bones in that movie than any other film, I think. That's true. That's true. I... But Five is a giant piece of crap. Yeah. You can tell that they were like, hey, Four was really fucking funny. Mm -hmm. Let's do that again. Like, let... And that's not what Five needed to be. No, and they, they, were, they had such a small budget on that one. They, they had to shave it down a lot from... I don't. I don't remember exactly what they had planned. Um, I, I know that it, it was it, the rock monsters on the. <laughs> that was one of the things. Was the rock monsters on yeah. the planet? I've listened to Shatner's commentary on Star Trek Five, and mm -hmm. yeah, he said that uh, that all of that got got taken off the table at the last minute. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it was just a mess. Uh, had its moments too. You know, Scotty. Uh, was that? Yeah, that was in Five. Scotty wandering around, lost on the Enterprise. Um, before he gets knocked out, hitting his head on the girder, uh, things like that, you know, were nice to see. But yeah, crap. And Scotty and uh, Uhura have a thing in that one too, which I don't know, kind of <laughs> took me out of it at the time. Yeah, but you know, who cares? <laughs> now five, five is a five is a mess. But honestly, I will watch five over one. The um one is so goddamn boring. One is. Man, I like one. <laughs> I, I, but, but it has more to do with the tone and feel because I'm a huge. fan. I hate of, the fucking uniforms in one. It, it, they suck. But it's, it's, the, it's the, it's the sound, the, the scoring and the, the, the soundscapes that they make in one to me are great. I, they use a lot of synth stuff and dissonance that just appeal to the kind of music and stuff that I like. Um, I like a lot of shit that grates on people's nerves and and just. The, the you, when you have dissonance in music, it causes stress, and they've got this dissonance throughout 
that if you watch it and you're paying attention, you don't realize it, but all, all of a sudden your shoulders are about an inch and a half higher than they should be at rest. And it, it just builds that entire way. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of flaws in it. Um, the, the, and part of that was limited to just the technology of the time um, as they were making the movies. Um, but I, I like one a lot better than most people do. Um, it, you know, personal preference. But it's definitely not because of the acting. It's not because of the sets or anything like that. It's mostly based on the sound. Yeah, and no, and the sound when they go through the the wormhole, and all that stuff is pretty cool. The twist at the end of one, I didn't see it coming when I first saw the movie. I just think when you when you take Star Trek one and you put it right next to like Wrath of Khan, there's not even a comparison. Oh no, the, the leaps and bounds two is leaps and bounds ahead that they got because they had money for two. They didn't have money for one, um, and that well, and two they kind of changed it. It two is more of a a nautical like a navy. Yeah, maybe like a submarine flick, if you will. And I think two. I I don't know if Nicholas Meyer had anything to do with it, but two is where the uniforms get good. Um, two is my favorite, hands down, of any of this. All ten of them. Two is my favorite. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's up there with me. Um, although I I, I got a soft spot for Christopher Lloyd as a Klingon in in, in uh three. Three's not horrible, and four is really good. Four and six are really good too. Yeah, I hate that they had to recast Savic. Uh, you know, Christie Alley was was pretty hot as a uh, Vulcan. Um, yeah, and they went with Robin Curtis, which I don't know didn't make sense to me either. A lot of stuff they do when they make changes doesn't make sense. You know, they almost there was almost no need to even make it the same character. They should have just had it as a different Vulcan almost. I th- well, and originally I guess had Kirstie Alley stayed or had they decided to stick with the Sabbath character, that's who would have been Valeris mm. in Six. Gotcha. But they weren't going to, they didn't want to make Savick bad. And Savick kind of gets written out after three. I mean, she shows up at what, the beginning of four? And then that's it. That's the last time you see her, I think. Right. And uh, it, it's interesting that they didn't bring her back for uh, for Six. Um, and they used Kim Control as, as, instead as just a different Vulcan. Um, so, um, you know, she, she made a pretty good Vulcan. Um, she did. I like I like six a lot. Six was also Nicholas Meyer. Yeah, the, the uh, six is probably um, it's got a lot more fun in it. They they, they wrote a little bit more levity in, into the the lines and the sketch and uh, uh, the script. I mean, so uh, yeah, it, I like six a lot. Six is one that I actually have not seen, and we were going to watch it one night, and I forget what we ended up watching instead. But I think I need to go back and watch it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You need yeah. to watch six. Well, because six is officially the last time the original crew is together. Correct. And uh, uh, you get to see Scotty and Chekhov and Kirk in Generations, and that's it, right? Yes. I mean, Bones Bones came back and did Next Gen. Scotty did Next Gen. I think almost everyone did Next Gen episodes. But as far as the movies, yeah. I mean, spoiler alert: Kirk dies in Generations, <laughs> so. The, I don't think. If I, go ahead. Tom. If I, re, I was just gonna say, if I remember right, Kirk dies to like a bridge. Like, yeah, uh, Malcolm McDowell drops a fucking bridge on him, right? Uh, yeah, I haven't yeah. seen Generations in years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kirk, Picard, and, and McDowell are fighting um, him on that bridge assembly before you know because he's trying to fi- fire that rocket to so he can be in the the, the ribbon of joy thing, and um, yeah. Kirk, uh, Kirk essentially sacrifices himself to save Picard, and um, so Picard is with him when he dies. Um, and you know, Kirk always had that thing about you know I'll only die when I'm alone. And when you know, I'm alone. And and he was mostly alone. Yeah, he had Picard with him, but yeah, he was essentially there on a barren planet by himself. So uh, so they kind of stuck with that theme. Yeah, no that 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 always kind of that always kind of bugged me though that Kirk did say that he knew he would die alone, but Picard yeah. was there technically. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't think Kirk's death was handled very well. Um, I, I, I had the same yeah. problem with Han Solo's death. I just don't <laughs> think it elicited the emotional response that it should have. The well, with with Solo, that was just such a ham-fisted clusterfuck of a scene <laughs> that I mean, you you saw it coming a mile away. And, yeah, as uh, soon as he told Chewie, "I'll meet you back up top," I was like, "Han's gonna fucking die." Yeah. yeah. And uh, just, just just no impact and uh, yeah the uh, 
It's up. Harrison wanted that though since Jedi. Oh God, yeah, he, he he's sick and tired of doing all that. Unfortunately, you know what? I can't say that there was like no emotional impact because when I saw it happen, I was sad. But I wasn't sad that he died. I I was just sad in the way that they did it. Well, I was happy that he was dead, so they wouldn't do any more of these stupid nostalgia scenes. You know, get on with the movie. <laughs> Quit showing. That is one of the nice things to, to compare between the two. Um, you know, with, with Star Trek 7, you've got just way too much, oh, look, it's them, oh, yes, we're, we're remembering, this is, let's say the stuff we said before, and it kept going and going and going. With this one, you had the, the tribute to Nimoy passing away with them letting Ambassador Spock pass away, and then you get the, the old cast photo, and that's it, you know, just a little bit, little, nice throwback, and then let's get back to making new stuff that really isn't new stuff, but it's new to us. So, I thought the way Nimoy's death was handled well. And um, mm-hmm. I cannot remember, but there is an episode of the original series that's very similar plot-wise to Beyond. Um, Probably. Um, yeah, there. And I, I should have done my research and looked this up, but there's definitely an episode of the original series. When I was watching Beyond, I felt like I had seen it before. The, well, it's a similar storyline to not just in Trek, but through multiple uh, sci-fi uh, um, things. It's not a new um, trope to have, you know, old uh, people from previous, you know, from previous uh, missions disappeared. Weird new force that is taking over. New force happens to be old people that are missing and then must either redeem them or destroy them and their goal is to destroy everybody because they were forgotten that happens a lot in sci-fi so uh yeah i got the i've seen this before feeling too i just don't remember if it was from trek or for something else because it's happened a couple times and i've heard that we might not necessarily be getting a sequel either because i guess beyond did not do what they wanted it to at the box office uh it wouldn't surprise me i mean that that's a lot of talent that they're using um and they're not cheap movies to make. Um, and with Discovery um, going through, you know, I, I haven't read up on exactly what the time frame is, or rather what star date that Discovery is taking place. So I don't know where it's going to fit into Star Trek canon. Um, you know, it's possible that if they don't make any more movies and the timelines match up, you could see people from the movie dropping in um, some of the ancillary characters, they wouldn't have the budget to, to pull anybody that actually has a good career like Chris Pine or anything. But um, you might wind up seeing, um, you know, Simon Pegg is the kind of guy that would love to show up on a show like that if it was appropriate. So we'll just have to see how that goes. Yeah, and I thought he uh, he was one of the writers of uh, this one, and I thought he did a really good job. He did, he did. Um, he was, uh, uh, everybody uh, character-wise wound up, uh, you know, you know, uh, Zoe, uh, I, I think that uh, there wasn't a lot of Ahura in her. Um, they, they didn't make much use of her. Um, so she was probably... No, the, not, at, not at all. Really underused, in fact. Yeah, she, she's probably the weakest representation of the characters. Um, but all the other guys, uh, for the most part, were pretty solid. Um, so yeah, it's possible we, we could see them show up. And I haven't seen John Cho do much... Uh, anything else uh, lately yeah, otherwise either so it's possible we could see him show up in something but he like, had that show that failed um was it called selfie oh uh i, I never watched it but i know uh the show because of uh oh, karen gilliam yeah gilliam yeah you know, i remember because i'm a big avid uh, dr who fan so um but i was happy to see her go because their characters were worn out um but uh yeah if he was on that then yeah, he could show up on Trek in some way, shape, or form to make a couple bucks. Because Trek's next year, right? Uh, er, is it, yeah, early to 2017. Okay, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to give it a, a, a God-honest chance when it comes out of the gate. Oh, yeah, I mean, all of these, uh, I'll, I'll give any of these a shot, but uh, just a lot of, you know, it, it's a... Uh, I, I don't know what their goal is. Um, I mean, obviously, they're trying to get, use the traction that the movies have created um, to pull the the next uh, pull the next generation of viewers um, in uh, the the new. You know, now that the eighteen to thirty five range hasn't had a television track in a long time, 
Um, and granted, television itself is the medium that is dying in the sense of you're going to watch it when we tell you to watch it. Well, good luck with that. Um, so we'll have to see how that turns out. Um, I'm hoping, you know, that it's not a shaky cam, sparkly vampire filled shit show in a science fiction framework. Uh, we'll just have to see. I don't think it will be. I think they're going to have to stick with what makes Trek good in order for it to succeed. Well, you'd think so. Um, except everything is always put in the hands of market research. So you can have the, you know, your writers will come up with amazing stuff and then they throw it to the wrong test audience and then they revamp it, you know, just like what DC is doing with everything. They can't find a focus. They, okay, we screwed this up. What should we change? Oh, you think it should be a little bit funnier. Well, then they turn Suicide Squad into a comedy type stuff of just way too much quips and crap. Um, and okay, well, we did too much of that. So now let's go back in the other direction for the Justice League and uh, let's give Bat- Batman all the jokes or Bruce Wayne. And uh, uh, I don't know. It's absurd to me that DC cannot figure it out when they do so well with their animated series, like their animated movies. Very much so. The um, But that's because they always put them in the hands of different showrunners. Um, you, you know, you, you've got your, your animated force with Bruce Tim and a bunch of others that just keep doing amazing work. And then, okay, well, we're going to use actual video cameras instead of microphones to do this. So let's not use any of the people that have done so well with this. Let's just pull in people that have no idea what they're doing and, and they just mess it up. And then you, that's how you get things like Green Lantern. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> right. Just bring the animated team. Just give them, yeah. give them your real... DC Universe movies. Can you imagine what we would be now if Green Lantern had had made a shitload of uh, money? Oh my God! You know, it, it's just we we probably got lucky that Green Lantern sucked so bad. Yeah, because um, I don't think we would have Deadpool. No, we wouldn't have Deadpool. We, we, well, we, we might have Deadpool, but we wouldn't have Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. Correct. Um, and we'd have a we'd have that tone with all of the other stuff because I mean that Green Lantern was supposed to be the springboard for all those other movies for the different characters to, to launch the justice league. And it all got put on hold because, you know, Harry Potter was running out. They were like, we need another franchise and DC was going to be it. And Green Lantern just screwed the pooch. I didn't think Green Lantern was as horrible as everyone else did, but it definitely was a shitty movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's watchable. I mean, it's, it's, it's not nearly as bad as a lot of things have been. But, you know, CGI was obviously a, a big issue. Um, there was I got nothing against Rod, Ryan Reynolds' uh, portrayal of Hal Jordan. That was fine. But, yeah, bad cast, bad CGI. Um, you know, the, the director, um, oh, he did a lot of Bond movies. What, what's his name? Um, God, he's a good director. He's too. a good director, but it's obvious that he did not care one bit about Green Lantern. Um, I saw a, a, a comic, uh, I think a Comic-Con panel, um, that they were, you know, throwing questions back and forth to people, and he, he was just like, I could care less about any of this, let's just get done with this, and somebody asked him. Martin uh, Campbell. Yeah, and they were like, uh, well, what's your favorite uh, Green Lantern? And he's like, bzzit. Okay, he remembers an obscure little insect-sized Green Lantern, so he said that for kind of a laugh. Nobody is going to pick that as their as their favorite uh, lantern. You know, it's just uh, should have been. I thought they did a good else. job in Green Lantern showing the core. Oh yeah, and I I think they should have kept the movie in space. They're yeah. probably way more expensive, but uh, I I liked that part of it. Yeah, I, I think you could almost have a very rich green lantern universe if they had kept it in space and if they had made parallax the villain that he was in the comic books and if he took over you know different green lantern characters and and fought against the core it would have been great but and sinestro criminally underused too i mean not why why even have him I have no idea. Honestly, I don't, I don't know. Green Lantern is my favorite superhero, and so that movie really does make me sad. I have seen it a few times, and you know what? I, I'm on Eric's side. I, I don't think it was horrible, but, I mean, it wasn't good. Right. Um, I think if they ever try to do it again, and obviously they, they said they're bringing Green Lantern into Justice League, I think if they're going to do Hal again, they should try to get Nathan Fillion. I think he's too old. 
I think so too, but yeah, he, I mean, I mean, he's, he's not too old for the role, but he's too old for Hollywood to put him in it. Um, yeah, because they're going to want longevity. Um, I totally agree. I mean, uh, you know, Fillion and Alan Tudyk are doing so many different things, projects in the background with Con Man and some other things that, uh, um, you know, they've got their cred. Uh, he he would be phenomenal. I mean, F- Fillion, he's great in everything he does because the the roles that he takes suit his character. Um, he's not. He's one of those guys. He's not an actor. He's essentially himself in everything he plays. So as long as you, you know, he, he he's he's our what Sean Connery. Sean Connery's Sean Connery in everything he plays. So is Nathan. But Nathan's character ever ever since Doctor Horrible and everything. You know, you know what to expect from him, and he knows how to what people want and how to fit in with that stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I think he could be an interesting Hal Jordan. He's he's easily the probably the closest DC character that would fit his personality that I can think of. Think of rather. So, uh, but yeah, I don't think they're going to go with Hal though. I think they're going to go John Stewart. I think they'll do John Stewart too, and that I think that's your favorite Green Lantern, right, Eric? Yeah, it is. And that's see, it's like my least favorite. I, I didn't. You're such a fucking racist. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I just I didn't like his character. I didn't like how he. Everyone else was trying to go off and do things, and he, for some reason, was this, like, absurd, like, voice of, just like. I, it's hard to explain. He he held a lot of people back from doing things that they needed to have done, in my opinion. Sure. Well, I, I, uh, on the DC thread, um, I have to thank uh, Kevin Smith's podcast into talking me into watching the Supergirl show because I watched I watched the pilot and I think maybe two episodes, and I think in the middle of that third episode, I was just like, I'm out, I'm I'm done, and then uh, after Ke- after uh, Kevin got his job uh, directing one of the episodes of the Flash. Because um, he had kind of been avoiding all that, all the DC shows from the, on the CW too. Um, he went back and watched the, the Supergirl stuff because of the Flash and Supergirl crossover episode, and um, it's episode seven. Um, episode seven is the turning point um, because they bring in Martian Manhunter, and which it, is cool. It's very cool, and it's not just for an episode. He is a main character who has been there from episode one. Um, in the Jeff Johns persona, but playing somebody else. So, so he's hidden, and you don't know it's him until that seventh episode. And can I just start great. with episode seven? <laughs> um, yeah, pretty much. You may, maybe watch the end of six because uh, I, I think his eyes glow or something. But yeah, you could probably start with seven. I mean, there's nothing groundbreaking on anything else. It's you, you know how Krypton works and Kryptonite and everything else, and so you don't really need much. Uh, of the first six episodes, but yeah, once seven starts up, um, I mean they bring in some they bring in Red Tornado and some other thing. I think Red Tornado might be episode five or six, but they they pull in a bunch of the but just like all these other CW character shows are doing rather, they're pulling in all these old Silver Age ancillary characters and doing great things with it. It's obvious that the people that are running the show care, and the fact that they're putting Supergirl on CW. Instead of ABC, I think is the right call. Now, what's interesting is Supergirl is not on the same Earth as Flash and the Arrow and um, the the uh, the League. Um, I kind of said it, Extraordinary Gentlemen, um, Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, Legends of Tomorrow, yeah, which sorry. I also have not seen. It, it's I actually didn't. Finish, I only finish actually watched the Flash. The, the Flash uh, is the best of them all. I mean, it's it, it's it's uh, it. Best cast, best storylines, best production. I mean, it's if you got if you have to choose any of them to watch, it's that one. But so, did you watch? Um, I guess it was a Supergirl episode though that Barry Allen guested on, as opposed to her being on Flash. So, yeah, she wasn't on Flash. He was on Supergirl, and I have not seen that either. Great episode. It it because it, and I, it's funny because it almost feels like it was shot by the CW cast uh instead uh, i mean the crew instead of the supergirl crew it just has that feel um and it's already been kind of shifting in that direction anyways but it's it's good it's entertaining um it, it's worth watching so yeah from from that seventh episode on uh give it a shot because I, I i marathoned it in three days uh i wasn't expecting it to to hold my attention and uh, by god kevin smith was right he was like seventh episode on totally different feel and uh, worth watching. I might have to check that out then, because she, 
she's super hot. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, that's one thing I've noticed on the commercials for the show. I'm like, damn, they got they got a good looking girl to play Supergirl. Yeah, Melissa Benoist. Uh, she she's really good at it, and uh, you know she, she was also in you know the Fappening Rick too. So you can look that stuff up on the internet. <laughs> nice. Wow. Um, I I think the other person who who told me, and by that I mean I read it, but who said it was a good show was um i think it was jeff johns um no 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 no. Uh, it was joss whedon i read somewhere joss whedon said that he liked supergirl as well and so kevin smith and and joss whedon i mean that's kind of yeah it, it, i was not expecting right it um and, and he was right you know it's um i and i i was kind of worried about it because he's he is going to be directing a supergirl episode and you know he lauds everything he's going to do of course cuz you got to promote your stuff so i was kind of worried that he was just talking it up t- to give himself a little bit of, bit of a boost for his upcoming episode next season but he was spot on seventh episode on uh and you know they they do they do a lot of fan service that is great um you know when you uh, originally had um um, Dean Kane on the adventures of Lois and, and, and Clark uh, as Superman, and you had um, oh, the, who's the girl that played uh, Kristen Slater? Was that her name in, in the '84 Supergirl movie? Oh, uh, no, Helen Slater. Helen Slater. That's it. Um, so they play Kara's parents uh, on Supergirl. Okay. Um, so you get that things like that are nice because the people that everything is new to. It doesn't matter. But the people that grew up with the other stuff, you get that, you know, kind of little nod to the other throwback without it being thrown into your face. Um, and, I never watched Lois and Clark either. Is that Was that any good? Um, it was okay. I, I didn't watch it religiously, but, the, you know, back in those days, there was, I don't think it had much competition um, in the superhero realm. Um, and so uh, I honestly don't remember much of the show. Um, I remember it being kind of low budget. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it was decent enough, uh, and, uh, um, him doing the role, um, as her dad, um, the, uh, you, the, the government organization, you got the DEO, um, that is kind of tracking all the aliens and everything, and he was in that, and he wound up, he was chasing down Martian Manhunter that you find out about, and, uh, starting, uh, somewhere in that storyline. And I'm almost starting to give away a lot of spoilers of the show, so I won't go in that direction if you're going to watch it. But uh, is it uh is it on Hulu? Um, probably, or it will be shortly because they ran they finished the the show a while couple couple months ago. Um, the the season one wrapped up, so it and might it might be on Hulu. Networks. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be. Yeah, I th- go ahead. Yeah, Hulu. No, Hulu is getting rid of. Uh... Netflix got exclusive rights to all the WB shit. Gotcha. So pretty soon, Flash isn't going to be on Hulu, and that pisses me off greatly. Because uh... that's why I watch Flash. Okay. Well, yes, that means you're going to have to probably wait a little while until they're able to throw it in as one full season. Or I'll solar movie them, and, which I hate doing, but I will. Yeah, me too. That's how I had to watch the second season, because for some reason those weren't on Hulu yet. Um, they are, but if you wait, you can't watch them. Like you have to, they're on for like two weeks uh, okay. and then they, they drop off. Wow. That's why I didn't get into Legends of Tomorrow. Cause I was already, <laughs> there was already four episodes missing. And so oh. I, uh, yeah, didn't get into it. It was, it, it started strong. Um, and it just kind of, I don't think they knew where they were going to go with that. Um, Character-wise, you know, they had an interesting um, little smattering of, of character set up with that, um, with uh, Ray Palmer as the Adam, um, and my brain just went blank on the actor, that, uh, Brandon Routh. Um, Routh, also Superman. Exactly, um, and he, I, I liked his portrayal, and, and unfortunately a, a not great version of, of a Superman movie. But his Superman was yeah, fine. I hated that movie. Um, he, he was he was a good Superman. That movie was terrible. Oh yeah, that that scene where it's like him doing Clark Kent, doing Superman, doing Clark Kent, 
the the facial expressions and everything he did through that was great. So he's a good actor, and uh, so his role is the Adam on Legends of Tomorrow, and when he was on the Arrow as well, um, he's a welcome addition to that whole stuff. Uh, he's probably the the best um, actor in Legends of Tomorrow. Um, you've got um, um, a bunch of most of the people come from the Arrow on that show, and it's okay. It, it, it's obviously a vehicle to just fill a time slot. Um, unfortunately, uh, they do a lot of time, you know, they, they're doing time travel stuff with Rip, with uh, Rip Hunter. Um, and it, it's, it's okay. You know, you're, you're not missing much on it, but uh, the, the flat, I would say that Supergirl was probably wound up being better than legends of tomorrow. I think DC bringing in a lot of their silver age characters to their uh, live action shows or, it's awesome because that was probably my favorite thing about Batman: Brave and the Bold. Oh yes, almost every episode you you got a new character that he would adventure with for that episode and fight villains, and it was it was awesome. Yeah, Brave and the Bold was just absolutely phenomenal, and I I can't believe that like we never knew about it until after it had already been canceled and off the air for a couple of years. I I haven't talked to anybody that actually watched it while it aired. Um, I think it was a Cartoon Network uh, exclusive show, and for some reason it just didn't pop up on anybody's radar. And so it got three seasons and, and ended. And uh, when you watch all three seasons, uh, I think they made the right call to end it. I don't know if it got canceled or if they just decided to end it themselves. But um, it, it's, it's Normally good... kids shows, I mean, not that that's a kid show, but normally mm-hmm. kids shows, three to four years yeah. max. I mean, even Young Justice only went two I think I don't think I think that the again kind of going back to you what you said about market research I think that they do the research and like okay these kids are going to buy these toys for two years show yeah and go forward maybe I I could be way off base here but I think that's probably how it works yeah I I can see that you know obviously they're all commercials for for toys um, to some extent but uh, with Young Justice Netflix is looking into possibly bringing that back as as one of their exclusives. Um, and, uh, it's in the very beginning stages, nothing might come of it, but, uh, yeah, Young Justice was great. Um, so was their Justice League and then Ultimate Justice League. Those were, that, the, the Justice League and Ultimate Justice League was phenomenal. The interplay they had with characters, um, I mean, the, the fact that they went through and set up relationships and were doing, uh, the writing was obviously geared at adults, it wasn't geared at kids, and, uh, my favorite scene in the whole series is when Lex Luthor's mind get transferred into Barry Allen. And so he's running around as the flash and he goes into, I think a bathroom and he goes, well, let's find out who the flash really is. And he takes off the mask and he's staring in the mirror. And he just goes, I have no idea who this is. <laughs> and he's like, I can do nothing with this. And he puts his mask back on and, and runs out. But at the same time, he, he, he bangs, uh, various people because, uh, uh, Oh, uh, Barry Allen does as Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor has this little, sex slave or whatever and and they go off and you know they're doing these things that obviously you don't get in a kid's show so the writing on that show was really really solid and uh the the story arcs that they had going on with the question and some other people was just great and so i'm hoping that they can bring back young justice and continue the storylines that they had in that because it, it was it was solid i really enjoyed it yeah i agree and we're getting a new justice league series I I had read that the Young Justice that they're looking to do as the exclusive is going to be live action, though. Oh, really? I don't think so. I think it's cartoon. I hope it is cartoon, but I read somewhere, and I'll have to pull it up, and and we'll have to clarify, because cartoon would be fantastic. Again, I think they do great with their animated format. The uh, Yeah, animated, most likely, um, it's CW sticking with the live action TV the animation is I don't think they have any other currently I mean Marvel has a hell of a lot of animated series going on right now um with uh you got Agents of Smash and you've got uh, Avengers and and some other things I don't know if we have any current running solid DC animated series uh I can't think of a single one I don't think so either uh unless isn't there a series about and it's very kid show that's about Supergirl and Batgirl and Poison Ivy and Harley. It's possible. Um, I haven't. I can't remember what it's called though. I mean, uh, 
if it, it is it like a comes on right after my little pony kind of thing i, I don't know yeah gotcha yeah um and, and isn't there a uh also a there's a teen titan show too there was, well, there was, but is it? I mean, there there was one for for a long time. I don't know if it's. And then DC did an animated, um, basically D- Justice League versus Teen Titans kind of thing. Um, right, I I did see that. But I don't know. I don't think there's a current series for them. Um, I, I, they, I mm-hmm. so they did their original Teen Titans cartoon, which was great. Also written at a very kind of adult level. But then recently, and I don't know if it's still running, they did Teen Titans Go, um, which was written at a a very, I mean, they have some adult-themed jokes and stuff, but it was written at a very kid-friendly level. Was it, uh, on the war, I mean, did you see Justice League War or Justice League, um, uh, I know you had Flashpoint Paradox, and then I think War came after that. And I think it's in War where you've got, Maybe it's Flashpoint Paradox where you've got Wonder Woman having an affair with Aquaman. and Yeah, the, the, that's Flashpoint. Yeah, yeah, Flashpoint, and then Queen comes out, and then so what does Wonder Woman do? She decapitates the Queen. You know, that was friggin' phenomenal. Totally was not expecting that. So, uh, yeah, DC continually amps that up. Most of the Marvel animated series are a little bit more kid-centric. Um, they, they, they kind of, there is some balance there towards the, the, the adult writing, but in general, it's a little bit toned back, especially with Agents of Smash. Um, I, I saw most of that first season, and it, it was kind of a little bit light-hearted. Um, I don't know uh, how much Scott Green had to do with that, but um, it, it's k- kind of kid-centric. Excellent. Well, I think we're going to wrap here from the cave. Any final thoughts from either one of you guys about Star Trek? Since we kind of started with Trek tonight, I kind of want to end with it, too. Um... What do you think, Tyler? I think we covered a lot, but, um, you know, to kind of loop back to it and go back to your point, uh, Star Trek does need to have very story-driven and dialogue-driven episodes. And my favorite from uh, Star Trek, the original series, is probably City on the Edge of Forever, which is very little action. I mean, they just they go back in time, they get stuck, and they live out lives until they're able to get back. And you had, you know, you got the acting chops of John Collins on that. And St. Uh, Collins was on that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that is a, a prime example of just how good um, the writing and storylines could be and the sacrifices that sometimes have to be made for the greater good. You know, you have that constant theme of, of the, the good of the many outweigh the, the, uh, the goods of the few. Um, I'd, mangled that <laughs> but you get the, yeah, you the, get need, the, the needs, needs of the many outweigh the the needs of the few or the one exactly um and so that that premise um is is excellently um portrayed in that episode uh and since it was in the beginning you know it was that was the some of the seeds for that um i totally agree they need to remain cerebral cerebral uh, not nearly as much action um to be in the forefront that needs to be you know the icing that's that's let's have the the body of the cake the appeal to the thinking man see i i like city on the edge of forever balance of terror is the best original series episode in my opinion but and there's a lot of them i could make a top 20 probably and there's not even that many of them i mean what is there 90 episodes if that is it that math was like 66 or 67 maybe it's 60 something yeah because isn't the third season short yes yeah, because yeah. they got canceled. And uh, hell, they only got back on the air because of a, a fervent letter writing campaign by the fans. And I want to say that's one of the first times that's ever happened. Right. Where fans were able to bring a show back. And I mean, look at where we live now, where studio executives are going on the internet to see what we want in movies <laughs> and how we would make changes and things like that. It's pretty amazing how the, how the fan has taken over. It really is. And not to mention, we've talked about all, all the various formats. Don't forget that Star Trek had an animated series too, and it's oh yeah, it's not bad. You know, no, it's really all, good. All the original voice characters, and you had some good writers too. You had Robert Highland and some others, and uh, you actually had uh, um, some characters from um, Ringworld that were incorporated into Star Trek. So that's a almost an unintentional melding of two different sci-fi universes. 
Um, so, you know, Halo players think they have this amazing uh, Ring World scenario, and no, that was ripped off from, you know, Halo was ripped off of the Ring World series. So, yeah, they, the Star Trek animated series is totally worth watching, and I think it's currently on most of the streaming services, too. And, it is on Netflix, definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I really liked the animated series, and gosh, my favorite of the animated series was the throwback, the, the Troubles with Tribbles episode that yeah. they that they did that was very good and i uh, have to watch some original trek tonight i'm kind of in the mood for it now oh yeah yeah and uh check out uh eric you did not finish deep space nine right i didn't even barely start it you you gotta watch deep space nine uh aside from it being probably the the most solid of all the the series um from next generation on they take the premise of uh time travel and everything and Deep Space Nine uh, cast goes back into the original series and the technology they used to combine the footage. I'm thinking it's the Tribbles episode um, that they used. Um, they mesh the new uh, current cast shots of Deep Space Nine with footage from the original series. And I think they used some footage that actually was left over and was not in the episode. So you get a couple of different new angles. Plus, they shot, they, they reconstructed the sets and did a not, lot of new footage just where the characters aren't there. But the fact that they were able to overlay and you almost can't tell that they're not in the rooms together is phenomenal. I mean, you'll have Cisco like working on something on the wall and Kirk and Spock will walk by and it looks seamless. Um, so it, it, for that episode alone. How, how far do I have to make it to get to that one? Far. It, it's, okay. I, I think, fourth or fifth season. Um, that it happens, it, it, it's because, I mean, the, the technology for green screening and everything was was, was rapidly uh, improving. But I think when Deep Space Nine started, it really wasn't quite there. And then they got to the point where they could pull it off, and so they did it. And uh, uh, I think a wharf goes with them, so they have to deal with the problems of having a Klingon um, who is not on the original show. And what's oh, it's glorious. <laughs> um, okay. if, if you remember in the original series how the Klingons did not look anything like Klingons look now they almost looked more like Romulans than they did, did Klingons yeah they just had the mustaches exactly so the, the old the old style Klingons are walking around and uh, one of the characters Jadzia Dax who's on Deep Space Nine I think she asks Worf what happened to you guys why did you change you know he's like why do you look so different and he says something like there was a virus so it, it, it's it's a great throwback to to the different production styles and everything. So yeah, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. That's awesome. Well, thank you for for coming and joining us and talking a little uh, a little Star Trek and a little comic books today with us. Uh, I really enjoyed the hell out of that. Oh, I did too. It was a pleasure, and I'd like to do it anytime. Excellent. And this probably um, this isn't going to go up before the episode we recorded last night. So this will probably be sixty five. Would be my guess. Okay. So I guess me saying that. We have a Hearthstone tournament this week on Thursday. Doesn't do any good because this will be out after that. Uh, <laughs> Correct, but we should have something um, that will be up by the time this episode airs. That hopefully y'all are listening to this episode on, and that's going to be our new website. Yeah, do you want to? I I haven't really been that involved in in the new website. Do you want to talk about it a little bit or? Yeah, I mean, just to kind of amp y'all up, hopefully you've seen it by the time this is released because we're doing kind of like a, a soft release. Um, but it's got a new background set up with Super Nintendo tiles and they kind of Rubik's Cube and shift around uh, behind, you know, our BitFace logo. Um, very smooth, developed by a great friend of ours. And um, man, it's gonna it's just going to hopefully look great. And we're looking forward to feedback and, you know, just let us know how you all like it. Excellent. Well, cool. Well, our guest tonight um, from Augusta, Georgia, Kirkwood Dale. Again, if you're in the Augusta area, that's the only place you need to go to get your music needs taken care of. Trust me, there's not a better store in that fucking town. Uh, across the table from me, as always, Tyler Run, TRG Glaze. I'm Eric G. Hollis, and we are out.